Hello and welcome to Como Explained. It's a podcast from the KBIA Newsroom. We take the thorny issues and politics that affect our community and we break them down. I'm Scott Pham, Digital Content Director here at KBIA. Hosting with me as always is Ryan Fumuliner, Assistant News Director at KBIA. Hello, Ryan. Hi, Scott. Hi. Uh, so today's episode is actually uh, one year in the making, right? Because I think last year around this time, I found this book lying around the office and it was past Halloween. The book is called uh, The Haunted Boonslick and it's all about uh, ghost schools and monsters of mid Missouri. Which right. is a heartland. And you and I were talking this would be a really great basis for some kind of show or piece about the haunted places in Missouri. Right. But it was too late. And now we get our first opportunity to do a themed holiday type show on Como Explained. Yeah, so we've never done that We've never done that. Right. So I was looking through this book and I read a lot of it and uh, the original idea was we were going to tell ghost stories. But I'm not very good at that. Yeah, I'm not either. Even though my, our jobs yeah. are technically to tell stories, I still feel like it's, uh, this is not my forte here. Yeah, they don't teach you ghost stories in J school. No, they don't. No. <laughs> they so, should, I guess. But uh, So what we did was we actually uh, got the author, Mary Collins Burreal. We got her in studio here, and uh, she's going to help us talk about Haunted Missouri. Great. Looking forward to it. Yeah, so, thanks, Mary. Yeah, so uh, you published this book a couple of years ago, right? Yeah, it came out from the History Press about two years ago. Yeah, you want to tell us a little bit about how that came about and what your thoughts for the book was, and how are you going to approach it? Well, I always loved ghost stories. Um, I come from New York, and we have more ghost stories than we know what to do with. Uh, So when I came out here, I thought, hmm, find the ghost stories. And I was surprised. There are some very standard ones, but after I started digging, there are these wonderful stories that sort of got lost in history. And I tried to apply an historian's eye to um, the stories and find what's real behind them, if anything. So how do you go about doing that, too? I mean, as journalists, we have to ask people weird questions a lot. Mm. But are you walking up and meeting people and saying, hi, uh, I want to talk about uh, ghosts? (laughs) Is this place haunted? (laughs) (laughs) Actually, people love to talk about their haunted houses. So the second you're in a group of people and you go, yeah, I'm kind of doing some research into ghosts, um, all of a sudden you're mobbed. (laughs) Um, You have more stories than you know what to do with, and you can sort of pick and choose. Some people don't want you to know that their house or their business is haunted um, for good reason. One of them was a a bed and breakfast, and the woman – who experienced it, thought she was being choked. And I thought, well, I'm not going to put that in the book under the name. <laughs> oh, no. It's going to really hurt their business. So, um, you know, you, you have to be a little bit yeah. sensitive. You never know. It might attract a different type it, of it clientele does, but, too, right? You but, know, yeah. I, I didn't want to be the person telling them <laughs> Sure, that, to yeah. make that business decision the choking ghosts come stay for two nights. Exactly. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So uh, one cool thing your book does is it goes back really far into Missouri history, kind of the earliest times of white settlement um, in Missouri. And uh, so one of the earliest stories that I thought was just really crazy (laughs) to me was about when the early settlers would kind of uh, float down the river, they would see this painting of some creature up on the Missouri Bluffs. Mm -hmm. Right. It was the Piasaw bird. And nobody's really sure whether this was a marker that was painted on the cliffs. It was quite large, and lots of early explorers reported seeing it. And some people think it was um, a marker for a a boundary of a Native American group's land, or it was uh, some type of spirit. Generally, they think of it as a representation of a water spirit that actually would reach up and drag people down or, you know, get revenge. So that sort of got conflated with the fact that in the 1830s and 40s, people started to look for things like, when they'd see things like old bones, dinosaur bones, or 
anything else for that matter they couldn't explain, sometimes they attached a supernatural um, explanation to it, which happened with the Piasaw bird. The belief was that the bird would come down and pick up people and take them back to the nest, um, sort of like the rock in ancient myth, mm-hmm. and chew them up and spit their bones out. So when when a couple of guys happened to find a, uh, probably it was either mountain lions or something, you know, remains from those animals, they said they found the Piasaw's nest. And then that took off. Um, the odd thing is that in the 1960s and 70s, there were reports of people seeing very large birds around that area. And they were written off to things like condors or cranes or something. Um, well, if you come here from east, perhaps, there's a lot more bird life maybe or different kinds of bird yeah, life. Yeah, but something that big. Uh, but, you know, everybody buzzard. They said, every, you know, of course, everybody who reports a ghost is crazy. <laughs> Just let's set the ground rules right now. Lay um, that out there. You are definitely crazy. But I guess it was around the 1970s that outside of St. Louis, a woman was having a party for her son and some of his friends. And all of a sudden, a very large bird swooped down, grabbed the boy by the back of the shirt, dragged him. The kid saw it. She saw it, screaming. It took him about 20 feet, I think was the story, dropped him and took off. And she rushed him. He had scratches. I mean, he was clearly attacked by something. So we don't know. Is that the Piasaw come back for overdevelopment of the Osage Valley or something? <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, and the, fo- the picture I saw in your in your book of mm-hmm. the, it was just like almost disturbing. It was so strange. Yeah. It's actually pretty creepy. Yeah. Did you yeah. want to describe what it? What well, it it's like? supposed to be a panther. Again, a water panther. A water. So, <laughs> so I mean, it's a water panther with a, a bird's a head. You know, um, it's everybody's nightmare pet, but. Um, you know, we don't know. It was also blasted away. You know, the, the, it's gone. They have repainted it, but the actual painting has faded and, and mm. gone with time. So um, through through weather and flooding, or yeah, and the railroad coming through blew out a lot of the old paintings, the cliff oh, paintings. Okay. So um, you know, we've lost it, but. You know, still, I don't know that I'd want to put my foot in the Mississippi at that point. I don't know if I'd want to put my foot in Missouri at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Missouri was brand new, right? These were Mm -hmm. settlers that were Mm -hmm. out finding new land, and then there's this giant evil water panther. That will eat them. That will get you in the water, but also might be bird-related, too, so it could get you you from the sky, so just be afraid of everything around you. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Look up, look down, side to side, (laughs) keep moving. Yeah. Gosh, so yeah, those are really early times in Missouri. But that's like kind of more monster stuff. Do you want to talk about – how about we get right into Blind Boone? John Ooh. Blind Boone is real Columbia figure. Yeah. Like you have a good story about that in your book. Yeah, and that one came about out of absolutely nowhere, I guess like most ghosts. Boone, of course, was the ragtime pioneer as, as well as a classical composer. Um, he lived in Columbia. The house is under restoration. We have one of his pianos. Uh, still exists. It's at the Boone County his Historical piano, Society. Right? Yeah, yeah. He had to have them specially built because he used to pound really hard and break them. Yeah, he ran through a bunch of them. Oh, right? a lot. Yeah. yeah. And this one, we—I mean, that's an entire book on its own, where the piano went and how it got back here. But we uh-huh. do have it, and you can plunk it, even though they won't like it. <laughs> but um, the piano went eventually to the school here. You know, one of the elementary schools, and. Um, when Boone passed away, he had no money. Nobody's really sure why. Neither his grave nor that of his wife was marked until the 1960s. It took quite a while. He was not forgotten, but he was never going to be someone who he is today without the real interest of Colombians. So the story was that we were doing a, a reading of a play about Blind Boone, and a woman came up to me, and she said, I had read 
about a ghost story that a woman and her daughter had told uh, Mary Paxton Keeley, as a matter of fact, who was interviewing them, mm-hmm. that uh, she would go by the school every night and she would hear Blind Boone playing. And that was the actually the title of the play, Nobody Plays Like Boone. That's what she said. Oh, I could always tell it was him. Nobody plays like him. And mm-hmm. she'd mention his songs. Um, and Mary Paxton Keeley sort of laughed it off. Well, after we did the reading, a woman came up and she had an elderly woman with her and said to me, I'd like you to meet my mom. Hello, you know, this is wonderful. And she said, no, you don't understand. This is the little girl who heard Blind Boone playing with her mom. And she said she remembered clearly they'd go by the school and they could hear the piano. Even though Boone had been dead for years. Boone had been dead for years. He had been dead for 40 years. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so it's nice to think that that music is still floating around sort of to be evoked by the right people. It's especially scary because we don't have any recordings of... No, the only recordings we have, he did for a player piano company. Um, So you you can hear him, but for a player piano, it's very rigid in its rhythm. So, you know, uh, also one of the stories is that he couldn't do some of his tunes because there were so many notes, the recording instrument for the player piano broke. Right, that's the thing. The rigidity is a huge deal when you're playing ragtime, right? Oh, absolutely. Right? I mean, it's, that so, goes completely so against the sense, nature of it. You know, you get a sense of how it should sound, but you have really no idea of how what the tempo was. Right. None right. at all. So, um, yeah. So, really, that, that she was the last person to hear Blind Boom play 40 years after he passed away. Does this kind of thing happen to you often where, uh, especially now, where you read from the book and, and publicly and people will come up and tell you their stories? Oh, constantly. And I think that's one of the things that's really exciting about collecting ghost stories. Um, people are not ashamed to share them if you show that you're interested in not laughing at it, which I don't. Um, but also people from all walks of life. I mean, I've had psychiatrists. I've had, um, you know, guys who you would never think would, you know, I mean, real guys, and they're not going to pay attention to ghosts and telling me about the house they grew up in and it was haunted. You know, I always say there are millions of ghost stories. It only takes one, one of them to be true for this to mean a lot to people. So I I always say we can't all be crazy. (laughs) Or maybe we are, but we're having a lot of fun doing it, you know. Right. One other thing that interested me in your book, too, we can jump to that I had actually – I was familiar with. I actually uh, stopped by this graveyard once. was Daniel Boone's original grave is mm-hmm. actually in our area. Yes. Um, and I stopped by because we'd seen the ro- – I'd actually come across this story that you had uh, mm-hmm. somewhere else and I had also – we drove by it all the time on the way to my wife's family in the yep. St. Louis area. Yep. So we just stopped one day. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's, what's the story behind uh, Daniel Boone's grave? That's, that's a real fun one. Um, the grave is on a place called Tukey Creek. Uh, it's also an Indian mound, and it wasn't far from Boone's daughter's home. When when Boone died, 1820, he was buried there. Well, Rebecca had been uh, had died. His wife had died a few years earlier. She had been buried there as well. There they rested supposedly side by side in peace until again around the 1840s, when Kentucky decided that they needed a a real tourism boost, and they thought who better to have as a tourism you know booster than Daniel Boone. Um, what but people, we already had him. Yeah. We had him, but well, he also he also hated Kentucky. Right, because he left there at the end hated of his life it. and really did, and he ended up loving Missouri, they, wanted to be buried next to his they wife. They bankrupted him. They took away his land. So he came to Missouri, loved it, and said, I want to be here. Um, but Kentucky, you know, uh, 
didn't pay any attention to that. So they connected with several very distant cousins. And they said, you know, like along the lines of, here, here's some money. Could we take Boone and Rebecca back with us? And they said, sure. Yeah, you know? thanks for the money. Um, right. So, I mean, there was no internet, so everybody could dig up Boone and <laughs> plop him on the wagon and bring him back. And there was this big – I've been to his grave in Kentucky too – Big, big, so you know, um, event, and and Boone is back, and you know he's blessing Kentucky. Well, years later, one of the men who helped dig him up was a free black, and he told people they didn't get Boone. The story is that when Boone died, they went to open the grave right next to Rebecca. And if you've been to that graveyard, you know nobody knows where anybody is. Right, it's definitely just very old and kind of some it's, stranded it's markers spooky. here and there. It is spooky. It's, it's yeah. spooky. And they've, they've done ground-penetrating radar, um, and they have found 30 or 40 bodies, but they're not sure who they are. So the story was they opened the grave right next to Rebecca, and somebody was already there. So they buried Boone on the other side. Hmm. So when they took up Rebecca and this poor stranger and hauled them back, to Kentucky. So we still may have Boone. Yeah. Well, and I've, I've also heard the argument that because his coffin like disintegrated, right? Yeah. He's been buried mm-hmm. for 20 years. So I've also yeah. heard the argument that, well, you know, his heart is still here, right? Because his organs and all that have yes. been. I've heard <laughs> that, which is creepy. I also heard in your, I read in your book that another creepy thing is that people, when they were digging him up, some people took like souvenirs, oh, sure. right? Teeth. Teeth they and, did that with Jesse James. I mean, that's why right. they, they reburied um, Jesse James on the family farm. So but they might have some random guy's teeth in a little locket. Right <laughs> they could. That they're saying is a family heirloom of Daniel. You know, Boone. as long as they're not using it to fight off, you know, <laughs> werewolves or something, and then they find out the wrong time. But that basically, it doesn't work. all this stuff, these people in these 1830s and 40s, they were all just kind of creepy, right? I well, don't know. The stuff the, is... It was the middle of the Gothic era. I mean, we think Goths today are, you know, hip and happening. No, no, no. It started back then. And what's, I mean, what's real Gothic to you? Real Gothic um, in – well, it started with, you know, Byron and um, his friends and uh, when they got together to write, which eventually Mary Shelley Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. What a lot of people don't know is Byron's friend, uh, Dr. Polidori, also wrote a story that night in, in Switzerland on a dark and stormy night in the 18, mm, 1810 or so. And um, – he came up with a vampire, the first vampire story. So the Gothic was very – it was looking to the past. It was looking to, um, in its own way, spirituality, but that was through death. So, you know, decaying ruins were just the best thing to have on your property. And if you couldn't, you created them. And also uh, mourning took so long. It took several years for a widow to be able to, to get out of black and work to gray and work to, you know, violet. That So you had a real sense of spiritualist type of thing was coming up as well. So it was all this mixture of death and rebirth and um, the romantic, you know, that nature was something that could overcome man, but we had to fight against it with things like railroad trains. Yeah. You always see these we'll wonderful – yeah, you know, so – we were pretty gothic here in Missouri, very right. much so, some of the stories. One of the things I will say about the Boone, about the Boone grave, having been there, is that actually I think it's kind of peaceful. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like I was there during the day mm-hmm. and like it's up on the hill on the mound, yep. as you mentioned, and like you can see farmland around. Yep. It was a nice like windy fall day when I was yep. there. So it looked really nice. Yep. And I'm like, man, he probably would be happy to be, be buried here, I think, as yep. an explorer and all that kind of stuff. And Well, I don't know. you know, there's a lot of, of – um, Theory as to whether, you know, a spirit has to be near its body. I mean, this goes back thousands of years. I mean, it's not anything we've just come up with, you know. 
I've come across Egyptian letters, uh, ancient Egyptian letters, um, written by a guy to his wife, his wife's ghost, saying, okay, look, I've left food at the grave. You know, I've, I've cleaned the house. I fed the dog. Could you stop haunting me? <laughs> so, you know, please stop oh. haunting me. I mean, so this is something we've, we've had as long as we're almost, you know, pretty much human. Right. Yeah. So it, you have a nice little scene in your book about visiting the the site and uh, mm-hmm. and staying at uh, Boone's grave and watching uh, the sunset there. It it is. It's a beautiful place. Um, one of the stories I heard is um, probably close to a century old now. Is that you can see lights. You frequently hear in Missouri that people see lights on Indian mounds. Hmm. What's interesting is they very often will tell me they'll see lights on some something, and I later find out that it's an Indian mound. Hmm. I mean, I've heard the stories. It's like they don't even know it's an Indian mound. No, they don't. So I've heard the story at Boone's grave. I've heard the story at um, a mound in Booneville on the river. I've heard the story in St. Louis itself. There's, I think, one mound left in St. Louis. So... I don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. You know, but, we, it, but it's not just like people up there with flashlights, they don't think? or no? no, at least a couple of people I've spoken with said that they lived not far from them. So when they would see the lights, they would go out to see what it was, you know, and they would get there and there would be nothing. We have, you know, we have the Joplin spook lights, which is, you know, the other part of the state, but has its own wonderful spooky story. Those have been reported for well over a century. You've looked into these kind of things for some time. What, what do you think is the spookiest place in Missouri? Oh, wow. Um, well, there's very sad. I mean, the Lemp Mansion, which had a number of um, suicides, it's a very sad place. Um, I, I'm not a sensitive. I mean, I'm the person who can go in, 30,000 spirits can be around me going, yeah, <laughs> and, uh, clueless. So, but um, I think... Ravenswood is quite different when you walk into it. Ravenswood's not far from here, right? No, it's not too far at all. Yeah. It's probably about mm, 40-minute drive. Could you tell us about that? Um, house that was built uh, south of Boonville and uh, was built by um, the Leonard family, which introduced some of the first breeding, certain type of breeding cattle into this country, um, very well-to-do. Very it's wealthy gentleman farmers. Very much. Right? I mean, thousands and thousands of acres. The family still rents out thousands of acres, as a matter of fact. Um, and they built this lovely house. The uh, um, Nadine, who was um, uh, the wife, Mrs. Leonard, um, she was from a wealthy family. She, uh, Her father asked her, did she want a house built in Boonville? or out in the country. And she knew that he adored her so much. She said in the country because she also knew she'd get one in the city as well. She's the one who said to haunt the the house. Um, when she died, they took the body to Boonville. They came back to the house to get clothes and other things. And they went up to the room. And the story is that the door slammed and they could not get it opened. Finally, one of the sons said, well, I'm just going to get a locksmith in or we'll have to break this down. And at which case the door opened. Um, And one of the stories is that she just didn't want to leave her house. Um, There's a music box that plays. That was hers. It'll play at all hours. Um, I was told by an old caretaker from there that they believed that the ghosts would take out the carriages and ride them around at night and then put them back in the morning because they'd find the horses all sweaty Mm -hmm. as if they had been driven around. So um, people have reported seeing lanterns on the lawn and hearing music. She loved to give parties. Yeah, those big uh, outdoor summer parties. So people can still visit it. Um, it's 
it's very gothic, I, and I can't explain it until you're actually in it. Um, there are suits of armor. There are narrow hallways. There mm. are um, rooms just with books, floor to ceiling. I mean, you feel like you've stepped back into a theater set. Hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like these people are setting themselves up to be haunted. Right? They build, <laughs> they build a brand new house, and then they fill it with all these old dead things, and it just gets creepy. Well, you know, a lot of people believe um, spirits can attach to something. So, like, don't go to an auction and bring home the rocking chair because you'll bring home grandpa who died in it. Right. Um, one hopes that's not the case, but, you know, um, Missouri has the uh, – the box that the gentleman bought that was inhabited oh, by um, – Oh, we did a story about yeah. that one time. And the girl that was working on that story, uh-huh. like halfway through, her computer crashed. Uh-huh. Uh, the, the computer she was working yeah. on the story. I, I, don't know. I, don't even want, I think you're it? not supposed to say the name. I don't want to say it. I'm scared of this thing. Are you serious? No, I'm serious. It's, it's up in it's called, There was a movie made about it. It's yes. called the uh, the Dybbuk box. Dybbuk. A, a, a Dybbuk is a – And now I'm cursed. Right, so you are. this is the record. It's okay. <laughs> um we can get it off. We have to bury you for about a year and a half up to your neck. Oh, that's all? That's, okay. We can do that. Dybbuk is a Jewish spirit. It can be – it's generally not nice. It, it, if it likes you, though, however, it, it can be very helpful. And this gentleman up in Kirksville bought a box that was supposed to be haunted by a Dybbuk. And then things all went to pot. Um, you know, uh, that's not a ghost, you know, it's interesting when I have people come up to me and say, oh, my gosh, I was in my house the other day and I smelled sulfur. And I'm like, I, I don't do that. I do mm-hmm. ghosts. Huh. Mm-hmm. You know, so spirits and ghosts, I mean, we tend to – the paranormal is a very big area of research. Um, and what's interesting is um, Nyhart, John Nyhart, who lived, what, half an hour from Columbia and uh, Skyrim Ranch. He was a major, major researcher into the paranormal held seances at the ranch many, many times, believed black elk came back to speak to him. And this is a whole part of our history you never hear about. Do you think we forget these things or we just don't like to talk about it? I think people get embarrassed about them. The idea of studying spirits in the late 19th and early 20th centuries was completely acceptable. It was something we couldn't see and couldn't understand, so let's explore it. And it probably wasn't until about the 1940s, about World War II, when that split between science and the paranormal really became evident. Uh, North Carolina had a lab that studied the paranormal. We do know that uh, the U.S. Army did. Yeah. Um, You know, could you project thoughts? Could you read the mind of, you know, Hitler? That kind of thing. So since we can't reproduce it immediately, it must not be true. And it must be something we all create. I was reading this book about uh, about Madame Curie, who mm-hmm. was a spiritualist, and, yeah. and they were exploring these ideas at the time. They were mm-hmm. discovering radioactivity. Mm-hmm. They would do things like hold uranium up to their eye while it was closed, mm-hmm. and it would leave an impression because they had just blasted the retina well, yeah. with awful radiation. But they yeah. were wondering, like, is this is this uh, something into another world? Am I mm-hmm. am I seeing things that I wasn't able to see before? Yeah, and I don't understand why people should be ashamed of wanting to know that. You know, I have been in probably hundreds of haunted houses and, and places in Missouri, back east, you know, down south. Some places you just walk into and you just know it's not right. I don't know what the explanation is. Just have the is. feeling. No, I know what you're talking about. It I visited is, some you know. places that were, you know, allegedly haunted. And mm-hmm. when you walk in, you do just kind of get that feeling, right? Kind well, of the hair know, up and I don't know. It's just Some kinda... ghosts are, are 
unhappy ghosts. Let's face it. They're just unhappy. The white ladies. We have one in St. Louis. We have one in Boonville. Generally, they're women in white who either stop a car, you know, a ride somewhere or are standing on the side of the road. If anybody ever watches Supernatural, that was actually used as one of their stories early on. But there are also happy ghosts. The Chancellor's residence has a happy ghost. Yeah, we should talk about that Mm -hmm. because that is so local. Mm -hmm. If we had a window, which we don't really, we could see the Chancellor's (laughs) residence from here. I could throw a rock and hit it out of the window, I think, if I stood up on the desk and threw it. Well, Alice was the first woman to live in the house, the, the, the residence. Unfortunately, she was very popular with the academic community and the students. Um, 1874, we don't know why she died, what she died of, but she did die here. Um, and the story is that she has remained, that she she loved the house. Um, uh, I've talked to a number of people who have lived there, and uh, things disappear. Supposedly, Alice has a real love for electronic things. Hmm. Uh, uh, or maybe a hatred of them. Or, or <laughs> hatred, but they seem to disappear. Um, yeah. Elevators go of their own accord. And evidently, children like to ask, is, you know, is Alice here? Um, you know, people have told me they've heard her dress rustling upstairs, like somebody's walking down the hallway and you can hear a gown rustling. Is this the one in your book where you talked about, I think it was Richard Wallace? Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a story about that when he had some people over. Yeah, and yeah they and went This is up. like the 70s. Yeah. And uh, he's, he himself has said that there was one night when he was there and he went upstairs and he shut all the doors because they were not living in the residence. He had his offices there, mm-hmm. um, while Chancellor, and he was leaving and uh, he heard slams. You know, He went back upstairs to see what happened. The doors were open. He shut them again. And then he heard them open again. He said, at that point, I just left. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. No yep. sense in disturbing Don't things anymore. Around. Right. Yeah. 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 You know. What's, what's funny is these accounts are from university chancellors, right? Very sober, mm-hmm. academic people, not usually given to this kind of thing. You know, what's, again, what's very interesting to me is the first time people start to talk about spirits or ghosts, everybody's very wary. You know, um, well, I I really don't believe in it, okay? But I don't care if you believe in it. It's still a story. Let's discuss the story. And the more you talk about it, the more people become intrigued by the fact that maybe they've had an experience they can't explain. Do you you think, like, the ghost hunter shows and stuff uh, only hurt that? Because, like, as you mentioned early on, people are crazy, and those people seem extra crazy. Yeah. Um, Do you think that makes it a little bit more hesitant to be like, hey, I believe in this stuff because the, like, most recognizable people that believe in it are obviously on the other end of the spectrum? I have so many people tell me they believe in ghosts, and they love the shows. (laughs) And I think it's more because they're not, you know, well, if 15 million people watch these shows, then we're not all crazy. Um, you know, you'll get people who, you know, I, I've had stories the realm of, hey, I watched the plate lift and go across and land there. You know, maybe they did. I've never seen it, you know. Um, and then I've had people saying they, they've had their hair padded or, you know, their clothing folded. I had one friend who said she lived in a house growing up here in Missouri, um, not far from Columbia. And every time they would leave laundry and go out, they'd come back and would be folded. Hmm. Kind that's of the ghost. best ghost. That's, that's a ghost great I need. laundry. Yes, yeah. That's a great ghost. Yeah. yeah gosh. Yeah. So, you know, there are helpful ghosts. Some ghosts are um, happy to have not left. Of course, there are all kinds of hauntings, you know. Mm-hmm. There's the intelligent haunting where you say, are you there? And somebody says, yes. Okay. <laughs> those, those are not too common. 
you know, then there's the sort of residual haunting. We have all this wonderful language to explain it, you know, where the ghost is, you know, going on a film loop. Every night they walk through the wall, you know, which gets mm. boring and after a while you don't really care, <laughs> you know. And then you get poltergeists, noisy ghosts. They call them ghosts um, and they tend to be around uh, adolescent kids. Ooh. They tend to show up then. We've Ooh. had some famous – yeah. That's the one you don't Some in St. Louis, right? Famous ones, yeah. I think the yeah. most famous thing we had in St. Louis was the um, the exorcist story, um, which is n- not so much a ghost as a possession, hmm. but it did take place in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Huh. I think we should talk about uh, the Jefferson City prison, the uh, oh. Missouri State Penitentiary, because that's a place that has gotten – National attention. Yes. And, and it's now closed on, for, for tours. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. been on some of those ghost hunters. They do ghost tours or they did ghost tours. They right did. now they're closed because they have mold they did problems. Night yeah. Tours. yeah. They yeah. I I took them. that is a place when you asked me earlier one of the, the more haunted places. That's a place you walk into and if you don't feel the sadness there, um, then you're worse than I am. It is it's just a sad place. There are a number of ghosts who people have reported. Uh, one of them fast was it Fast Harry? I never Fast remember. Harry, I think yeah, Fast Harry. Yeah, Fast Harry, who uh, used to escort. He was a, a prisoner, but he used to escort people. Um, there's tunnels underneath, and across the street from, the, from the, the jail itself used to be their hospital. And he would escort people through other prisoners. He was like a, oh, a trustee. And uh, peop- many people have said that they have, especially the docents, said one woman in particular I talked to, she said they, you know, made sure everybody was gone and they had done a head count. But somebody said, well, I counted 14. And, you know, it was like, well, no, we only had 13. She said, well, yeah, but it was the the guy who, who went down the hall just before with the clipboard. And, um, you know, everybody's thinking that it must be Fast Harry still taking people. And a number of people have seen him. Of course, the fact is that at the end of the hall, there's nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a wall. You know, right. um, there were women prisoners there. It was really a hellacious place to be for anyone. But for a woman prisoner, it was even worse. It's and just a m- massive human rights disaster. Oh, right. oh, my gosh. You know, and they were uh, put to work sewing and so there were certainly no fans or anything in the summer. You can imagine what that's like in a Missouri summer. Um, and But a couple of the women reported that kindly ghosts would come around. We don't have much of a description beyond that. Um, but they said they would calm people or try to make people help them sleep or something. So I, I don't know what that was. But then there were other more gruesome stories. One tour was going through, and I guess um, a woman looked up and, and got very agitated and said she wanted to leave. And um, when they asked her, they took her outside. She said, well, I looked up, and she said I could see the, the man with, with um, his eye. His eye was gone. When they went back and looked, they did find out that there had been at least one or two fights, and one in particular was in that cell block, and mm-hmm. the man's eye had been gouged out. Oh, wow. And no one knew that, I guess, before she made the comment. So not a place I would want. I mean, it, you know. Well, and the gas the chamber's gas there, chamber, too, right? I, oh, God. You walk into that, and you just want to walk right out. I, I never understood people who felt comfortable sitting in the chair. I mean, they let like, you sit in the chair? They they used to. Why I, would you do that? I didn't. <laughs> I just, no. you know, and, you know, they had the, the waiting area or the viewing area still there mm. with the seats for the people to watch. It is, if any place could be, I don't want to say evil, but wrong, that's it, you know. And, um, you know, fixing it up and restoring it, um, I don't think it will get rid of anything in there. 
you know, it would not be a place I'd want to be locked down at any time. You've gone out looking for ghosts, right? Mm-hmm. Not just the stories. You've gone out to go mm-hmm. see if you can see them. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen anything? I have not. Um, have I had some experiences, personal ones? Mm-hmm. To the extent that, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't really care if I see a ghost. I mean, it doesn't really matter to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yes, I've had some experiences where um, we were in the jail in Boonville at one point, and it really was funny. I was with a group from Springfield, and I had to be there because I was on the board. And I'm sitting there. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. It's June. It's hot. I want to go home. And I had my flashlight off on the ground, and they're going to all their stuff. Hey, you know, you there? And I'm like, ah. So I finally said, you know, it's 2 o'clock. I'm hot. I'm going home. If you're here, somebody say something. Jokingly, my flashlight went right on. <laughs> we all jumped. I said, well, that's nice, but, you know, if, if you're really there, I need to see something else. And the flashlight went off, <laughs> and at which point I was ready to go home. So, yeah. you know, you want to call a coincidence, that's okay. The light hadn't done that before, hasn't done it since. I just think an open mind and a sense of adventure, you can find some really fascinating things out there. And they do go boo in the night. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's a great story. Th- thank you for sharing that with us. <laughs> yeah, and all these stories. And all these stories, well, it's always yeah. fun. Thank you. (laughs) So that's going to do it for Como Explained. I am Scott Pham. My co-host is Ryan Famuliner, and our guest has been Mary Burreal. Give us a listen each and every week. Find us on kbia.org or even better, the iTunes store. Just search for Como Explained, then hit the subscribe button and get a shiny new podcast automatically each week. If you've got a comment or a show idea, we love them both. Email us at news at kbia.org. Tweet us at kbia. Thank you for listening. Bye. See you next time.